Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use, no doubt, kicks off now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 25th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Our website's libertyroundtable.com. That's the broadcast show website with archives and donation buttons and a whole lot more for your listening uh, enjoyment live and on demand. But also our nationally syndicated radio network, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. They have an iPhone app and an Android app and a whole lot of other talk show hosts around the clock. Live and on demand, radio free at your fingertips. But donations are welcome. And it's the only time we support liberalism. That is when you donate. Be liberal. Add zeros. Every penny will help us tell the tale of liberty. And every penny will help us grow our presence in the media uh, as we need to do, ladies and gentlemen, because we are advocates in the culture war for God, family, and country. It is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time for ride day. you got to dig that. Quick recap of yesterday's show, then our guest. We had a guest on Brian Rust talking about honest money. It was the honest money update, gold and silver with Brian Rust. We talked about busted is criminal justice permanently broken? It'll be a panel. Yeah, it'll be a panel, ladies and gentlemen, in South Dakota uh, for the Freedom Fest event. It'll be going on in Rapid City, South Dakota, right by Mount Rushmore, July 21st through the 25th. I will be there live, broadcasting the whole event to the best of my ability. I will be there with Richard Mack and Kathy Smith. In other words, the CSPOA, CSPOA.org, LovingLiberty.net will all be there. And this busted, is criminal justice permanently broken? It's an open general panel of the whole Freedom Fest event that myself and Richard Mack will be on that panel. FreedomFest.com to learn more. We've also got presentations by Richard Mack, presentations at Q&A, uh, if you will, moderated by attorney Michael Parutka, uh, and then four sheriffs answering the questions. So those two panels will be available. We're also having a Friday night dinner, cspoa.org or lovingliberty.net. There's a link there. Click on it, sign up, and join us for dinner uh, that Friday night at the Freedom Fest event. Friday night, would love to see you there. Sheriffs will be speaking. Uh, I'll be speaking. It is an event to remember. Coming up, freedomfest.com. Check it out. Be there. Fake news, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about China's plot to kill the dollar and your retirement savings. Most prominent financial analysts are convinced that China buying up gold and silver. They're purchasing and stockpiling gold and silver, they say in an effort, to manipulate their currency and ultimately weaken the dollar. They say it'll 
kill U.S. manufacturing. It's a big problem that they're going to gold. And my response to that is we should be the masters in gold, ladies and gentlemen. We're supposed to have 100% of our currency backed by constitutional money, gold and silver. The Chinese are backing their money more with gold and silver now. And uh, you know what? I can't blame the Chinese for doing it, but I will say, why do we think it's a threat? If we were on gold and silver, we wouldn't be threatened the more the Chinese went to gold and silver, would we? We'd be applauding them for following our supreme law of the land constitution. And the more every nation's on constitutional currency, the more honesty they'll be in money. But now the fake news is we act like it's China's plot. Americans have betrayed us on money. The big bankers have betrayed us on money for well over 100 years. Don't forget that reality check, please. And don't blame everything on the Chinese. Just stop. I know they're communists and we don't agree with them. I get it. I also get, though, that it isn't going to do any good to pretend we're the good guys when we betray our own citizenry regarding money. And then we blame that on the Chinese when they move to constitutional currency. Have you lost your minds? All right, we also had our second guest on after Brian Rust, Ammon Bundy, with us yesterday. Ammon Bundy announced last weekend that he's running for governor of Idaho. VoteBundy.com is the website for that. VoteBundy.com. Ammon says, quote, please download my Keep Idaho, Idaho plan here on my website so you can see exactly how you and I can ensure that Idaho continues to be a bastion of liberty and prosperity for generations to come. Amen to Ammon Bundy. We also talked about uniting neighbors to defend their families, faith, freedom, and future. Peoplesrights.org. I'm a member of People's Rights. Proud to be so. We had a meeting Monday night in Orem. It was fantastic. You should be there going forward. We'll let you know when those meetings happen. I'll tell you how we'll let you know. Ready? Sign up for peoplesrights.com, and you'll get a clue of what's going on in your own neighborhood, your own area. And if you don't have a solid neighborhood watch called People's Rights in your area, why don't you become a leader and make that happen, would you please? We also talked about two videos on Ammon Bundy's website. The first one, three lies the media has told you about Ammon Bundy. Great video. True as all get out. Second video, top five reasons to support Ammon Bundy. And that rounds out hour one of Liberty Roundtable Live. Hour two, I was by myself full of news headlines. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis rises as he promises he's only begun to fight put on the full armor of god amen to ron DeSantis. i hope he's true blue sometimes you hear that politicians do great things and you praise them then you find out behind the scenes they're not who they purport to be our prayers are that ron's for real law enforcement faces recruitment difficulties as retirements soar and as anti-police sentiment uh, kind of uh, attacks the police forces. There's calls to defund the police and everything else. So now they're having a hard time recruiting law enforcement officers. Members of Antifa and the Proud Boys had a big old clash in a riot outside of Portland on June 18th. Entire Portland Police Rapid Response team resigns. They're just sick of it. They're running around as cops. Their hands are being tied. They're blamed for everything. They're being defunded, and they're going, we're sick of it. We're out. We're just going to flat-out resign. Ladies and gentlemen, we're having a problem in America. They've driven a wedge between we the people and the police. They've highlighted the bad apples so much so to where you believe that's the average police force. It's a lie. Don't fall for it. Yeah, there's bad apples, and they need to stop, and we need to remove them from law enforcement duty. I get it. But let's reject law enforcement and look for police 
who are under the county sheriff's jurisdiction, elected, not appointed is the point, and then those who will be peace officers to protect and defend and learn to de-escalate. That's what we need to seek for. We don't need to drive a wedge between us and our servants. First punishment in Capitol Riot, turns out, she only got a misdemeanor. Anna Morgan Lloyd's her name. She's 49 years old, a misdemeanor, and it involves no prison time. So they've been telling you for six months how evil the insurrection is, and now they come up with one person who admits guilt and says, yeah, I, I admit it, I walked around the Capitol and I shouldn't have. She didn't do anything violent. She didn't harm anybody. And now there's no prison. That's the kind of criminal we're talking about, I guess. They say Seattle will be hotter than Miami. USA Today, a big old climate change agenda. They're going to shove climate change down your throat, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for the abuse. We also talked about a Senate report finds widespread intelligence failures before January 6th. New York Times with that piece. Wow. That's the recap. All that on yesterday's broadcast, still available online at your fingertips free. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Donate, spread the word, and that's a recap. Without further ado, we welcome Chris Carlson back to your radio, a discussion of all things liberty. Welcome, my brother. Welcome, Sam. Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. Amen. Great work. We're looking forward yes, to sir. it always. Chris brings a lot of topics to the radio. My job for Chris Carlson and Dr. Scott Bradley is take like 3,000 pages and turn it into an hour of radio. It is a huge job, ladies and gentlemen, but they come over prepared, and that is a wonderful thing. We need patriots who study Patriots who put in the time, patriots who do their due diligence, that is for sure. Our topic today, five-question constitutional quiz. Now, what about answers for that? It comes from a a document that Larry Mulcock created, uh, and it brings up some very fundamental discussions regarding liberty and the fundamental foundations of the United States Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Rights come from God, not government. That's the place to start. Uh, Chris, why don't you bring up the first topic? There's like five or six topics to cover, right? Okay. Yeah, the the first topic is the state legislatures are supreme. Uh, The federal government, uh, in spite of what you've heard about the supremacy uh, doctrine, uh, are not supreme because the federal government was, in the beginning, created by our founding fathers, through the state legislatures and the voice of the people through those state legislatures, Sam. And so the states are supreme. That's why we call our nation the United States of America. And you could substitute that word state, Sam, with the word nation or country. So we are not one nation under God. And we'll talk about that a little later. We are uh, 50 nations under God that we refer to as states. Which the word state and nation is interchangeable. I guess you know that, Sam. Yeah, that's right. And, and let's be very clear. A lot of people something. think they were colonies back in the day, but the reason they were states is because they were states under the Articles of Confederation at first. So they went from colonies to states or countries in that reality as they jettisoned King George. And then they united for a common goal. We'll talk about that coming up with Chris Carlson on your radio. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? 
Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman on your radio. The state legislatures, not the Supreme Court, not the president, not the Congress. The state legislatures constitute the highest authority in the land. All rights and powers are inherently invested or unalienable in the people. Chris? Yes, sir. So the people ultimately are the ultimate sovereigns, as we well know, Sam. But we express our voice through the legislatures because that is the closest uh, legislative body to the people. I'll give you an example. Uh, I just talked to my state representative on Tuesday. We had a wonderful constitutional discussion, and I gave him a copy of the article that we are now uh, addressing. And he agreed 100% with it. And I challenged him to look at some of the mandates that are handed down from the federal government, of which you know there are many here in the state of Utah, and I asked him if he couldn't uh, pass resolutions that would render those mandates null and void because they are violating states' rights. Because the states have the ultimate, and we're gonna talk about the police power of the state too in a minute, but the state legislature should be the first uh, deliberative body that we as citizens of these several uh, states should go to for redress of grievances. It's not the federal government, but it has been the federal government over the years, and that's been the problem. That's why the government, the federal government is so large, and that's why they're so, uh, they're so tyrannical, because we've given them that power, because we always look to the federal government to solve issues that should be solved first on an individual level, second on a family level, third on a neighborhood level, and if necessary, at the state level. But very rarely should they be addressed on the federal level. So that's that's that. 
Um, and yeah, when and the federal I, here's, government here's the deal for me. Sam? Here's the deal for me, Chris. I I think a lot of these things that that are pointed out in this article are correct by nature. I think they're a little bit misstated by facts, um, and we'll get into that uh, here as well. You know, for example, um, the state legislatures are the highest authority in the land. I say God is the highest authority in the land, and I say he has given us God-given inalienable rights and invested that sovereignty in us as a people. And as we obey God's laws, we maximize liberty and blessings from Almighty Author of our liberty. When we disobey God, we lose a lot of those things. We can pick our choice, but we can't pick the consequences. So I would say that God's the sovereign. We, the people, are sovereign. The state legislatures, as they obey, listen carefully, as they obey the mandate we, the people, have given them, then they do carry out authority on our behalf. That's the unique blend of government that our founders created. So governments derive their just power from the consent of the governed. That's us. So as God gives us authority and sovereignty and liberty, we then vest that in those who represent us, and they do have authority and power, but only according to the consent we give them and only in the scope that we, the people, authorize. And that's why in the Constitution uh, we leave things to the states, we leave things to the people. On the federal level, we say, hey, we're going to divide power up into three branches for checks and balances. Here, uh, courts, here's what you can do. Here, general legislators at the federal government level, here's what you can do. Uh, Here, executive branch, the president, here's what you can do. On the local level, that three-branch structure is mirrored. And then there's divisions between the state and the general government uh, as well. And so we've separated powers, and we said, hey, we're going to give consent to the general government to do these things. We're going to give consent to the state to do these things, uh, et cetera. So I want to be very clear uh, when we say that the Congress is supreme, we've got to be very clear that we understand how that is true. It's not false. It's just you got to have the backstory or you get deceived on what that really means, Chris. Yes, exactly. And like you pointed out, the ultimate authority is God. We need to, to keep that in perspective. So even if the majority of the people vote for something like in the case of the Dred Scott decision, which is a re- which was presumably a reflection of the voice of the people in the late 1850s, did you know, Sam, that uh, when the Dred Scott decision was handed down by the Supreme Court, that 22 states at that time rejected that decision? They did not abide by that decision. I'm sure they were mostly northern states. Um, and that is called state nullification. And they nullified uh, a Supreme Court, Court Act that was repugnant to not only constitutional principles, but ultimately to the principles that God had handed down and expressed in the Ten Commandments. So you're right. God is the ultimate authority. Hopefully the people are righteous enough to express and to uphold that authority through the lawmaking process, through the legislatures, local government, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately it is God who is the sovereign of this nation, and we should. Let me make one uh, more point. His law, first and foremost. Let me make one more point. As the people are righteous, then, the legislature and those divided powers that we've given them are obeyed. The people insist on it. The sovereignty, the righteousness of the American people ensure that. The more the people turn their back on God and the more the people jettison true principle, then the greater supremacy that legislative, judicial, executive power has over the people. Because whenever the people don't do what's right, they lose their liberty. And then tyranny 
starts to fill that vacuum. So we need to be very, very clear about that. The second one is the state legislatures are the police of the Constitution. They ought to be on behalf of the people without a doubt. The state legislatures have a constitutional and a patriotic duty to use interposition, which you've talked a little bit about, or to interpose, putting themselves between the national or the general government and the people to fight off the dragon, who would literally swallow up the whole land. Their goal is to keep the federal beast inside its cage. I agree with that general point, but I would broaden it and say their job is to keep any other entity in its cage, whether it be the general or the federal government, whether it be the governors. See, the governors are who have abused us over the last year more than anybody else. They've literally jettisoned uh, legislative authority. They've simply created mandates from on high. The government, state governors have been more abusive than the federal government over the last year plus to most people. And so these legislative people, as you wisely point out, need to defend us and interpose against anybody who would destroy or violate the principles of liberty. Chris? Exactly. Whether that be, like you pointed out, uh, federal government, state government, local authorities, world government, whatever uh, enemy presents a threat to our individual sovereignty and liberties needs to be addressed. And the state legislatures, I think, are, are the ideal instrument to accomplish that objective. And to add to what you said about the, the state legislatures being the guardians of our liberties in Federal Papers number 46. Have you read the Federal Papers, Sam? They were written by James Yes, and the Anti-Federalist Papers Day. a long time ago. They're very complicated and detailed and, to read. And, and they take, they take mm-hmm. rereading a thousand times, kind of like the Bible, because they're complex. And every time you read them, you discover something they're new, com- sir. Yeah, I counted one sentence uh, one time. It was 115 words long. They really uh, uh, were very wordy in that time. Anyway, the Federal 46, uh, in, in support of what you said about our uh, state legislators being the guardians of our liberty, uh, it's, it states, in the event of national violation of the rights of states or their citizens, the state governments with the people on their side would be able to repel the danger through the power of citizens with arms in their hands. Now, there's a plug for the Second Amendment right there, Sam, and we didn't even plan to get into that. But, yeah, that, um, that basically say, says that the states, through the instrumentality of the state legislatures, are going to be our primary defense mechanism against federal encroachments on our liberties. And that's Federalist 46. I, I agree completely. I just so, want yeah, to point our, out, though, that we need to watch from our own governors, too, though. Our governors got out of control, abusive, tyrannical, and they did it because big money was on the, right. on the chopping block. They, they so do. we need to be very careful about that as well. And the state legislature stood down in almost every case, Sam. I mean, there were some bills. Uh, I know in Wisconsin and in Utah, there were some bills that passed that, you know, you can't mandate masks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, they were just few and far between, and they had exceptions to the rules. And there are all sorts of uh, loopholes that uh, corporations and uh, governmental entities were able to to get around the, the mandates with. But yeah, there, there were no, you know, Christy Nome was a pretty good example of, but you know, she got some pushback and she knuckled under on, on some of those things. 
But the state legislatures give you an example. As I said, Sam, on Tuesday afternoon, I met with my personal state representative. His name is Norm Thurston. I don't mind giving his name out. We sat down and had a couple of, uh, of drinks, and we discussed these issues. Now, do you think that I could do that with our governor or, uh, or Mitt Romney, our illustrious senator, <laughs> or Mike Lee? Not a chance. They're hard to get a hold of, my friend. All right, quick pause when we come back. We're talking about this five-question constitutional quiz, and I agree with the general points that are being made. I just think some clarification is necessary. But as I went through the article, I found six of them. We'll talk about it with Chris Carlson on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden and a bipartisan group of senators announced Thursday they have struck a deal on a $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan. They have my word. I'll stick with what they proposed. And they've given me their word as well. So where I come from, that's good enough for me. The plan will now travel through both houses before it becomes law. President Biden will meet with Afghan President Ashraf Ghani and his former political foe, Abdullah Abdullah, on Friday to discuss Washington's support for Afghanistan as the last U.S. troops pack up after 20 years of war. It appears Afghan government forces are struggling to stop Taliban advances. Firefighters searching a collapsed Miami-area condo for 99 missing people shifted their focus to a basement parking structure late Thursday, risking their lives to find survivors. Amid revelations, the building was sinking into the earth. This is USA Radio News. If you're tired of the old cable news, you now have a choice. It's Newsmax TV. More than 40 million Americans are tuning in, making Newsmax the fastest-growing cable news channel in America. Every minute, every day, Newsmax gives you the real news you can trust with top analysts, hosts, and guests like Ben Carson, Mike Huckabee, Alan Dershowitz, Dick Morris, Nancy Brinker, Mike Reagan, Rudy Giuliani, and so many more. It's easy to watch. Find Newsmax on all major cable systems or get Newsmax free on streaming platforms like Roku, Zumo, Pluto, YouTube, and most smart TVs like Samsung Plus and LG. Remember, Newsmax is different than most cable news networks. You can get it for free on your smartphone. So download the Newsmax app and start watching right now. Join the Newsmax revolution and get us everywhere. Online at Newsmax.com, on your cable channel, your smart TV, and your smartphone. Because when news breaks, you need a trusted source. It's Newsmax. What happens now to Afghans that help U.S. troops as we disengage from 20 years of war? Wendy King explains. The State Department and the Pentagon are working on plans to evacuate thousands of Afghan citizens who worked for the U.S. during the 20-year war in Afghanistan. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said we're taking this seriously. We know we have an obligation to these men and their families. More than 17,000 Afghan citizens who worked with the U.S. and Allied forces during the war are eligible for resettlement in the U.S. under the Special Immigrant Visa Program. The problem is the process is slow, with the average wait time stretching over three years. Observers fear that the September 11th deadline for withdrawing the U.S. forces from Afghanistan puts the lives of America's allies at risk of being targeted by the Taliban after the departure. At least 50 of Afghan's 370 districts have fallen to the Taliban since May, according to the United Nations. USA Radio News.
All right, live and on your radio, Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman, telling the tale of liberty, discussing all things liberty on your radio. We're talking about a five-question constitutional quiz with an answer key. Larry Mulcock with the article. And I want to just be very clear that, you know what, the state legislative bodies are our delegates based on the consent of the governed to hold all others accountable. Why? Because they're closest to the people. Why? Because if we don't like what they do, we can fire them. How do you fire them? Every two years, you elect somebody else, ladies and gentlemen, very clear. But we, the people, must get involved. And that's really the lacking part in the checks and balances of America today. The American people are fed out, not engaged. And the founding fathers said you have a republic if you can keep it. What that means is if you're engaged enough to insist on uh, advocating for the principles that made America great. If you do that, you know what? You'll have a freedom-loving country. And if you don't, you're going to lose it. And that's really starting to happen today, sad as could be. But this whole article is designed to help us understand our duty to encourage us to stand up and uh, deliver on our responsibilities. So uh, uh, they say it's five things, but I found six, Chris, uh, in this list. Let's uh, go with number three. Okay, so number three states that the Constitution was ratified by the legislatures of each of the 13, and he says, uh, oh, no, he doesn't say colonies. He says sovereign countries. So, again, emphasizing the fact that uh, the state of Utah, where we live, Sam, it can be looked at as a sovereign nation or a sovereign country. And I think we should start looking at it as such because we, we look at ourselves as being subordinate to this, to this gargantuan federal government to whom we owe obeisance, which is not true. This perception has been cultivated over the last 230 years, and it is simply false. We are superior to the federal government as a separate and sovereign nation from it, and we, it is divisible. We, are, we, we could... Uh, declare our independence at any time, I believe, with justification, if we so choose. Not, not that I'm saying that we should do it at this time. So, yeah. Of course. Sure. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, on this. And this is where I think people get deceived very quickly, though. The Constitution was ratified by the legislatures of each of the 13 sovereign countries. So there's a lot of mix-up there because they were called states at the time. I get that state equates to separate sovereign republics. I agree with that point. Uh, but he says it's false, and when we say the Constitution was ratified, each state had to enter the Union based on uh, their legislative bodies. So it's partially true. Which part is he claiming is not false or is false? Um, I don't even have the questions. He didn't send me the questions. What, I, what I've got in front of me, Sam, are the answers, and I think that's probably sufficient for the discussion. But I, I think it's a minor point. I think we're pretty much all yeah, on the, the same the, the reason it matters, though, is we need to understand that, yes, our states did come into the Union, um, and uh-huh. it, the Constitution wasn't hadn't completely uh, been the United States, if you will, uh, until enough states came aboard. We just celebrated, for example, the ninth state uh, joining the ninth state, um, New Hampshire. Last Saturday it was New Hampshire or whatever it was, or last Friday, I guess. New Hampshire joined, and it wasn't um, operative until enough the majority of the states uh, had become members. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure I completely understand this one, and without the question, it's hard for me to understand it. Here's the point I think that's relevant, and this is, I think, what you're getting across. The states are separate constitutional republics, and they are united by choice, not by force, but by choice. 
And in their uniting by choice, they yep. agree to give certain things to the general government by their consent. And ultimately, it's the people's yep, consent through their states that matter, right? Yep, through their legislatures primarily, yes. All right, number four. This one's and, very uh, interesting as well. Yep, do you want me to read that for you, Sam? Yes, please. The 17th Amendment... The 17th Amendment was designed to further emasculate the state legislatures. Before the 17th Amendment, each state legislator elected or appointed that state's U.S. Senator. Okay, why is this a problem? Because the, the Senate was supposed to represent the state's interests in Congress. And Congress was uh, designed to represent the people's interests. And now that uh, the senators are elected, through the 17th Amendment, which I believe happened in 1913, which was a very bad year for the United States of America because a lot of mischief was perpetrated. Um, as a result, now the senators no longer feel an obligation to represent the interests of the state through the state legislatures. And that is a problem. Because so that remember, was a, ladies and gentlemen, check and balance. you remember when you take a step back, there's checks and balances in everything that our founders put together. So everybody had a seat at the table. We, the people, had a seat at the table through our House representatives. The states had a seat at the table through their elected senators. The state legislative bodies were to elect senators, and then both states and people would have representation at the general level in, or the, yeah, the general level in Washington. The 17th Amendment basically jettisoned that incredible check and balance. And it further emasculated the state legislative bodies to where they've become puppets. They've become nobodies. They've become uh, – so that's the problem. And at the federal level now, you've got senators that virtually answer to nobody. You could say, well, Sam, they answer to the people. Not really because there's so limited number you know of senators per population. Take California. They only have two senators, and they have 40 million people to represent. Okay? So state – or I'm sorry, federal senators or general senators – uh, they're supposed to represent the states, the legislative bodies that put them there, because then you could have conference calls between state legislative bodies and their senators saying, listen, you're running this thing off the rails. We need to rein you in. We'll elect somebody else if you don't. And, and they would have a micromanagement watching of that senator to make sure that things were carried out as the consent of the government intended, Chris. Yep. And then you know who they really represent nowadays, Sam? The big money interest. Have you checked how much it costs to run a Senate campaign? It's yeah, about it, 10, it 15 million dollars. millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So who do they really represent? You know, do, how, how much money have you uh, donated to a senator lately? Zero. Nothing near what the corporations do. Yeah, the corporations pretty much rule the day on this issue. I it's mean, the only real beef I have with Ron Paul and Rand Paul uh, and those guys is that they always beg me yeah. for money. And they always think that, oh, man, like Rand Paul emails me and he's like, you know what? I'm really trying to make a bold statement here, but, you know, they're going to be looking at the fundraising numbers at the end of this quarter, and if I don't show big on the fundraising numbers, they're not going to take me seriously, Sam. Can you pony up? And I'm just like, you know what? You're a doctor and you're a senator. You make more money than I've ever made in my life on a single yearly basis, you know. You make way more money than I, and you're begging me for yeah. money? Come on now. You know, it isn't about money, folks, and we've got to get off that money train. I know we need enough money to do the job, but we need to be careful how much money we expect from the people because if you're not careful, money just runs everything off the rails. All right, number five, Chris. Number five, the federal government was formed by a treaty, Sam, between autonomous sovereign nations, and that is true. And that, just like a treaty, it can be... Now, he says is, on here that it's violated false, by, 
It's false. Okay. He says it's false. No, I say, I say it's true. How does he say it's false? Let me read. The, the, county, the counties of state are political sub... I don't know if that has to do with it. Go ahead and tell me why, that, why he says that's false. I thought it was Well, false. I don't know why he says it's false. I say that this, we need to understand. When we say the federal government, we need to talk about the general government versus the federal. Because when you say federal or national, uh, you're creating kind of a misnomer a little bit. What we have to understand is the general government was formed by the states. And I wouldn't call it a treaty, though. I don't look at the Constitution as a treaty. Okay, I know some people would say I look that at it, it as a compact. A, I like. I look word. at it as I look at I, it as I a look. compact as well. Or I would say even this: a sacred union, trust. a more perfect a union, union, is the word that I would based, use. Based so, on trust. Okay, so I don't agree with this treaty thing or this whatever, because you get into all kinds of weird legalese when you do that. What I say is we've agreed as sovereign republics that we will join together by the consent of the governed. We will give a small list of things that we need the general government to do, and we do it by agency as we form the more perfect union. Those are, that's the language that I would use, Chris. And, and that's why I say I'm not okay. saying this author is completely that's wrong. But there's areas in which I don't believe we're articulating it well enough for my comfort, right? Yeah. So I would say it's similar to a marriage union, and as long as both parties remain faithful to the covenants they make at that uh, marriage ceremony, then it should not be broken. But if somebody violates, uh, grievously, grievously violates, I, obviously, you know, marriage couples violate uh, their sacred uh Oaths and obligations on a regular basis, but only minorly. So, yeah, it, unless that trust has been breached, I say that union remains. But once that trust has been breached by perpetual violations of that trust, then it can be severed. That the treaty or the covenant. And, or and it the, must uh, be severed. We need to step up. And so the question becomes hey, we can't violate it for light and transient purposes, but at the same time, if there are. Uh, abusive, egregious behaviors, we need to either sever ourselves or alter the relationship. When we come back, number six, I want to highlight this because I don't agree with this either. So I, I get the articles really good, I, but I also understand there's a lot of clarification needed uh, from a pure constitutionalist such as myself. Hang tight, folks. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, 
breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right, Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman. We're talking about this five-question constitutional quiz answer key. Uh, Larry Mulcock doing a great job, and I, I think that if we really dig in, we'll agree with a lot of the points here. But I believe, here's what I got for the headline. Sam clarifies key points in the article, because there's some things that he's saying I don't exactly understand or agree with on its face, but at the same time, I'd have to read all the questions to really know, and I don't have those. But I will say this. Number six is this, Chris Carlson. The federal government derives its powers and legitimacy from the state legislatures. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it at all. Look, we all get our power and authority from God Almighty. The governments of any kind in the United States, whether they be the executive level, the judicial level, the legislative level, and that's all up and down our government, right? Local, state, federal, it all yeah. has those three branches. Yeah. And then the division right. between the states and the federal, the consent of the governed delegated power to each body separately with specific instructions. So if you look at the Constitution, you say, hey, here's what the legislative body can do. Here's what the executive branch can do. Here's what the legislative branch, here's what the um, judicial branch can do. And so the judicial branch on the general level gets its authority directly from the people, not from any state. Yes, the states are the ones that ratified the Constitution. I get it. But we, the people, gave direct authority to the general government to carry out these things on our behalf. It is not a state legislative body decision, for example. And the reason that I push back on this so hard, and the reason that I make this point so blatant, uh, Chris, is because people, I believe, are really deceived on this. Here's what a lot of people believe. Ah, the Constitution re uh, relates to the general government, but the states, you know, it doesn't relate to the states at all. Well, if you believe that yeah. logic... No, you're right. If you believe that logic, then the state gave the federal government the authority to uh, that says, hey, you can't touch my guns. But if the state decides that they're going to touch my guns, they can tell the general government to fly a kite, and the state can take away my guns. Okay, if you believe that logic, then that's possible. I say to you, my God-given inalienable right of self-defense codified in the Second Amendment is not up for debate, and the states have no authority over it either. I gave a do-not-touch-this commandment on the general level because it applies to all 50 states, to the everyone in the compact, everyone in the union. So Oregon can't take my gun rights, and neither can Utah or Idaho. Okay, so I gave it generally to say, look, do not touch this compact 
or union-wide. And so a lot of people believe that the states have freedom to do whatever they want to under that logic, and I disagree with it. Chris? No, I, 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 no you're absolutely correct, because the, those rights are handed down to us from God. We need to recognize that. And I don't care if it's your neighborhood government, your county government, uh, your state legislature, whatever level of government you want to appeal to, nobody has authority to violate the rights and privileges that God has given us. You're right. There's, there's no two and, ways about that, Sam. And, I and furthermore, the consent that we gave them has direct limits. That's why, if you look in the Constitution, there's sections that relate to each branch of government. Hey, legislative body, here's what you can do and nothing, nothing else. Hey, executive branch, here's what you can do and nothing else, uh, etc. And I, and I bring that up because when they violate that and do other things, when governors, which is the executive branch in a state, act like they can mandate a mask, they have no authority. That's the legislative purview that we've given legislative bodies. But even the legislative body who can make laws can't violate fundamental liberties. And so there's checks on the state legislative, but the governors have no authority whatsoever for these mandates. And so we've got it all wrong. And we need to understand where authority comes from. We need to understand the chain of command and delegation, if you will. We give consent yep. as the governed on certain guidelines and conditions. And when those guidelines or conditions are violated, I don't care where the violation comes from. It's got to stop. Exactly. And the example that I use, Sam, is do you think that um, our uh, founding fathers uh, got permission from their state legislatures or the crown of England to throw all that tea into the Boston Harbor? Or do you think that they were exercising the prerogative based upon their individual sovereignty and and desires to bring about righteous change when they threw that tea into the harbor. And we celebrate that event as this, this great noble act of rebellion, yet we don't recognize that they acted on an individual sovereign level, and they were justified in doing that. And we celebrate that, yet nowadays we say, no, we can't do anything even close to that. That would be, uh, that would be rebellion. That would be sedition. And I say, no way. You know, and I'm not saying we need to throw tea in the harbor at this point in the game. Eventually, maybe we'll get to that point. But what I'm saying is, like you said, the individual is the sovereign in this nation. And we well, need to and where they throw tea, way, and we're not. Where they throw tea into the harbor, I walk into a store without a mask. Exactly, as do I. As do I. And and I push no, I back. Get, I get the know? private. Event... Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. No. And, and and those are those are forms of rebellion. Technically, we're in the wrong because that's a private business. You know, unless of course we find out that, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, maybe maybe they they're receiving public monies through uh, through Incutel or through the Atlantic Council or some other uh, means whereby the government actually is in bed and cahoots with private industry. In which case, those lines are really blurred. And but in any case, just like the example of throwing tea in the harbor, we need to push back when injustices are perpetrated, whether that be through the instrumentality of government or through corporations or small businesses at the local level. It is our right, and I would say it is our duty, Sam, to push back when uh, those injustices are perpetrated in violation of God's laws. And we need to be, become familiar with the nature of God and his laws in order to be able to do that. And we are justified. So, yeah. 
All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I think it's critical to understand where authority comes from. I think it's critical to understand the division of powers, uh, not only horizontally but vertically in America, and uh, the consent of the governed gives just authority uh, to sectors of government. It's a divide-and-conquer strategy to chain them down with the Constitution. Okay, we don't seek for power, ladies and gentlemen. We seek to pull it down. This is a very clear thing that we're talking about here. And so whenever governments decide that they're going to do things out of the purview of what we've given them as guidelines, they're wrong, and they need to stop. Uh, whenever they take too much power into themselves, they're wrong, and they need to stop. And this is just as true at the state level as it is the federal level. I hear patriots all day be like, if we could just get the federal government off our backs, we'd be okay. No, your state's just as abusive. Folks, don't fool yourself. Your county thug is just as abusive if you let them. If you chain them down with the Constitution, with the checks and balances, vertical and horizontal, if you demand by the consent of our governed accountability, that's we the people, then things will start to work. That's why I say, you know what? What do we have at our fingertips? We have the checks and balances at our fingertips. We have the opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, to rein them in. We're the final say. It's going to take enough of us. We have individual God-given rights. People think there are states' rights. People think there are, uh, you know, common rights. People think that isn't true. There's only God-given rights. God gives rights. Government grants privileges. Understand that difference clearly. Uh, Chris, that's kind of the, the final point on this article, right? Well, it is. And I would like to use an analogy that I gave to uh, my state legislature, my state representative, uh, Norm Thurston, on Tuesday. And uh, when, when he was first elected... I was a county delegate, and so I got a couple of telephone calls from him, and he was very solicitous of my attention. And you know, and I thought, wow, I'm I'm pretty important. I'm a state delegate or a county delegate. And and he quoted me some things. He said that you did you know that the state of Utah, um, that 68.8 percent of its uh, land is actually controlled and occupied by the federal government. And I said, wow, I'm impressed that he knows that to the decimal point. So when we spoke on Tuesday, I said, okay, Norm, I'm going to give you an analogy, and I want you to answer this question for me. If you were sitting in your house and your bicycle was parked in your front, uh, in your front driveway, and you saw your neighbor kid, who's a, been a known bully for years, jump on that bike and ride it home, he basically just stole your bike. Okay, so you go down to his house, and, and you see your bike in his driveway, and he's in his house. Are you going to go knock on the door and ask permission to ride your bicycle back home? Or are you just going to jump on that bike and go home? Because after all, it belongs to you. And I said, the, the federal BLM lands issue in this state of Utah is the same principle. They've taken those lands unjustifiably, unconstitutionally. We should just take those lands back and dispose of them according to whatever the legislature deems is, is proper and prudent. And he said, well, yeah, but it's more complicated than that. So that, that's an example of what I think we should do as a sovereign state in this union to show the federal government where they stand relative to us. Uh, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I would say this, where um, he wants to make this more complicated than that. He pretends it's more complicated because he's dealing with liarese. And he's dealing with dishonest people that want to make it complicated. The reality is the general government violated their authority. Uh, when new states entered the union after the first 13. So Utah came late to the game, so to speak, because it was a territory prior to that. So Utah was supposed to be um, 
granted access to the union on equal footing. The equality of states is critical to understand. It's the equal footing doctrine. And they violated that, and we should have yep. called them on the carpet at the time. Okay, but Utah was so eager to become yep, a state, and the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, were trying to get along with the government to where they didn't call them on the carpet when they let some of these states enter um, under different circumstances. Uh, right now, they should be sued over it. It should be overturned, and equal sh- footing should apply. And then most of that land wouldn't be in the hands of bureaucrats under the guise of control and ownership. Okay, it's a dishonest lie, and it needs to stop. The problem is politicians don't have the guts to call a halt to the con game. They don't have the integrity to demand. What we need is county sheriffs all over the country to say, federal government, this is not your land, and if you come in my county, I will arrest you. Okay, don't do it anymore, and stop. Equal footing is a realistic principle. Uh, Otherwise, we want to dissolve the union. Now, I'm not pushing to dissolve the union. I'm making a point of authority here, and that's what we need to do. The problem is everybody kowtows and goes, Sam, you got to study the something act of 19. No, Sam, you got to go back to the water rights of this. No, you got to. And they just make it all complicated. It isn't complicated. Every state should be in the union on equal footing. And if they're not going to accept the demands of equal footing, then we should leave the union over it. And what we should really do is force them to, to answer to the equal footing reality. So there's my response, Chris. Well, then what would it take for him to just draft a resolution that says basically uh, from this date forward, the state of Utah is going to take possession of these federal lands and begin to dispense them as we deem necessary and prudent. I mean, that would take... The answer is about an hour of work on the document. The answer, Chris, is about uh, an hour of work on the document and a whole lot of guts, buddy. Yep. Anyway... Sounds like we're at the end of the show, Sam. Thanks for the time. Uh, we will be in we'll touch. Get... Without God, we can never win. Go ahead. With oh, God. Here, I'll go ahead. Without God, we can never... No, no. Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose, Sam. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in that fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving Americans everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. Thank you, Chris. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll get to the Pledge of Allegiance some other time, though. That'll be an epic discussion debate as well. Thanks so much, Chris Carlson. For the rest of you, God save the republic. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast. For June 25th, in the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our two of two. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It's all about principle, people. Don't forget it. It's all about morality in the people. And then based on principle, look, I don't love or hate anybody. Well, I shouldn't say I don't love anybody. I'm just saying I don't love or hate with my decisions. 
I don't uh, pick people and stick with them and then jettison other people. And it's not a people discussion. It's a principle discussion. And when somebody advocates for correct principle, I'll say they're right. When they don't, I'll say they're wrong, and I'll explain why. And, of course, I'm not perfect either, but I do have to uh, do my very best to stand for principle. It is a freedom-loving fantastic. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time. Faith-filled Friday. And welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you again. Uh, end of uh, many people's work week, but uh, you got another day on this thing. By the way, on this day 59 years ago, a tragedy occurred. Uh, it's a tragedy of immense proportions that we're not only continuing to suffer from, it's exacerbated each day by the mentality it's created in the nation, and that is the Supreme Court excommunicated God from the public education system on this date in 1962. Can you imagine? I mean, before that time, all of the negative indicators that you might find uh, were diminishing in school, and all the positive indicators were improving. And, um, I mean, you know, even stuff like uh, standardized tests on scores were going up. In fact, now we have to regularly renorm those testing scores and the, the questions even, because it seems like somehow... The students perform worse and worse and worse constantly, and so they don't want that look to come up so much, and so they change the way they're, they're patterning and, and they're questioning, and, and it makes it so it doesn't look quite so bad as it is in society, but we've become a society that educates towards social agendas rather than what education is there for, teaching you to think but not what to think. And so these um, these new methods of education have proven to be abject failures. And I think that much of that really started in 1962 on the 25th of June when the Supreme Court removed the source of all knowledge and light from our public education system. Can you believe the audacity of such a thing? Now, let's let's be clear about this. This is not um, United States versus Board of Education or Board of Education thing, right? No, but it's it's the prayer thing, that public-sanctioned prayer. No, I understand. No, I want to make sure people understand this, though. Okay. So the Board of Education thing came after this decision, and I believe that this decision led to the broader abuses uh, later. And, and that's kind of the reason that well, I focus on this. This was the pivotal point that started the downhill slide, huh? Well, I don't know it was a start. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the... the in, in mortality, things tend to degrade. I mean, unless there's something renewing and holding it up. And by the way, we're on a magnificent earth that's kind of a self-renewing uh, process that God granted us so that for thousands of years, goodness gracious, we get these cycles of weather and the soil brings forth, you know, food for us and, and the skies bring forth the rain to continue. I mean, there's all sorts of things that happen in this self-renewing earth. But in mortal things, you know, things rust, <laughs> they get tired, they wear out, you know. I've got a 1965 vehicle that, uh, man, it's tired. I'd love to have the money to re replace the engine. But, you know, stuff happens in mortality. But, but we need to continue to renew with something that uplifts, something that, you know, put a fresh, paint, a fresh coat of paint on things. And if we don't do that, things tend to fall apart. So uh, 
I don't know. It, it's it, it is a very very. It's we got to be sensitive to it all the time, you know. So. So it, but basically, this was a uh, uh, school. Uh, the Supreme Court banned the school-sponsored prayer in public schools in 1962. So, so that's kind of uh, kind of what I just brought up today, June 25th. So, and it, and it has gone down. It was the uh, uh, Engel versus Vital case, by the way, uh, but. I mean, you know, we don't have to make it our center of our discussion. It's just that it's interesting to me that sometimes it, it seems like there's a hinge point, and, and we're at hinge points in America, and I think this year we are in a hinge point right now with many things, everything from critical race theory and and the, uh, the way that we're uh, ex exponentially expanding the size of government intervention, the way we've uh, overstepped our bounds in regards to individual god-given rights this idea that uh, compulsory stuff that that there is no right to do not not america i mean other countries claim that but yeah we're at a hinge point right now and the hinges seem to be swinging pretty wide this time and that's why i say the prayer in schools discussion was one of those uh, pivotal uh, points that you kind of speak of yeah we've got 50 years now without official school prayer think about the uh, the results right well, actually, 59 years today is when they did that. See, when I was a kid, we used to have school prayer every morning. And, you know, people today, oh, well, you can't. Oh, that's going to bring a lot of pressure on people. It's going to be. I, but to my opinion, it, it it was an expression of diversity, really. I mean, a, a Jewish kid may say this prayer, a Catholic kid that prayer, a Mormon kid that prayer. And, I mean, the, the kids that get, I mean, it was individuals got up and gave a prayer according to their understanding. And. And it was like, oh, that's how that's how Jewish kids pray. I mean, what difference did it make that they were doing that? And it was really, really, truly an invocation of bringing God into the classroom, you know. And 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 so they they thought that was too scary a thing nowadays. When I was a kid, you know, running in in uh, school hallways was a pretty big sin. Not tucking your shirt in, uh, chewing gum. Oh my goodness, don't get caught doing that. Nowadays, they got people shooting each other in school. I mean, look how far we've fallen. I mean, we used to bring guns to school. Um, first of all, there were shooting ranges in schools in those days. There was a lot of people that that had shooting clubs, rifle clubs, and so on. Uh, some of us would bring guns to school for various reasons. I mean, you know, going rabbit hunting after school, or you're gonna, you got, you'd gone duck hunting before school, or something. But but they weren't to to do mass murders. Uh, some kids kept their guns in their lockers. Some gave them in the principal's office. <laughs> one guy one day brought a pistol to school to to sell to another kid. Uh, you know, this was in high school. And uh, the two guys were standing there by the locker talking about it. And and uh teacher walks up and says, hey, guys, what's going on? And they say, well, I'm selling this pistol to him. And, and the teacher says, can I see it? He looked at it, says to the kid, you going to buy it? And the guy says, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. And he says, well, if he doesn't, I will. I mean, it was a it was a non-issue. Now it's a federal offense. Everybody goes to jail. I mean, and uh, it's it's just astounding to me how it's changed since we. Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about prayer in school, the case that kicked God out of the schools on June twenty fifth, nineteen sixty two. The case was Engel 
uh, via or versus, what is it, Vitale? The U.S. Supreme Court ruled (laughs) that based on the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment, the government can't sponsor a prayer and require school children to say it. Very interesting, unique, manipulated wording uh, of the Establishment Clause, huh, Doctor? Well, it's interesting to me that that the perspective that's been taken, and, and it had been ramping up to this, I must admit, uh, that, that there's, a, there's a lot of people that had been angry about God, and, and there still is today, but but the the perspective has been that that uh, there must be an adversarial relationship between uh you know the government and and god I, I guess that's the only way to put it but nothing could be further from the proof and i i cite i mean i say evidence would indicate if you had this only and sole single case that it would be uh that that would not be the case we i think this would be adequate proof what what th- that instance is is in in uh 17 89, September 25th, 1789, Congress, House and the Senate, voted by two-thirds margin to send, there were actually 12 proposed amendments, and 10 got ratified and were put on the Constitution in December of, of 1791, but they sent 12 proposed amendments out to the states for ratification. And the the one that ended up being the First Amendment, but was really the third based upon what they had sent out, was this First Amendment now that we got that has this religious clause in it. And that same Congress, that same day, 25th of September, 1789, passed a resolution requiring George Washington to call a National Day of Fasting and Prayer. So the guys that created the First Amendment says, okay, let's turn to God. And and the nation should fast and prayer before God because of our gratitude for his goodness to us and allowing us to bring forth his constitution and these great protections. And and that was conveyed to George Washington on 3rd of October, 1789. He put out his prayer proclamation. And and they, they had that in the third week of November. And, and this was done by act of Congress that had just passed what became the First Amendments. There is not an adversarial relationship intended by any of this. And ladies and gentlemen, the bottom line is, uh, you know what? They've used that manipulative case to browbeat people into really carrying out by force propaganda. Dr. Bradley in seconds, freedomsrisingsun.com. Your call is being transferred to the listening ear, listening professionals dedicated to hearing you. Hello, listening here. Who am I listening to? Um, Carrie, but I was calling my mom. Yes, you were, but your mom was so busy she felt it was important for you to have someone who could completely focus on listening to you and you alone. So she subscribed to our service. Go ahead, I'm listening. Well, I'm not quite sure. Where to start? Well, I can listen to school issues like science projects. I can listen to boy problems, although that's an extra $3 per call because of the emotional drain on me. How about we start with how you wish you had made cheerleader? I didn't try out for cheerleader. Um... This isn't uh, Mary? Carrie. I'm Carrie. Oh, oh, sorry. There is no substitute for a loving parent. And when you really listen, love is what they'll hear. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. I have a question. 
Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? I believe that great nations and great civilizations spring from a people who have a moral compass. I don't think a civilization can long endure that does not have respect for all human life, born and not yet born. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm calling it a pivotal point in history where in 1962, today, 59 years ago, they literally jettisoned uh, God. They said no prayer in school. What they really tried to do is they nuanced this and they said, oh, you know, we, uh, the problem is the government can't sponsor a prayer and you can't force children to say it. Well, I don't know that if we pray in school that the government's sponsoring it at all. And I don't know that we're forcing anybody to say anything. Uh, so the problem is that, though, has been manipulated and used to browbeat, doctrinate and misuse um, the First Amendment to the point where, you know what? Most people believe that you can't pray in school. You wouldn't dare. Uh, Etc. You can't talk about God in school. You can't bring your Bible to school. You can't worship and read as you choose. And this is the lie that they've manipulated the court case decision into. Um, Brown versus Board of Education was on the heels of that. The downhill slide 50 years later, instead of chewing gum being the problem and bringing your Bible to school or maybe the offense of saying a prayer, now we just have shootings and rape and drugs and pillage and plunder uh, in flat-out communism being taught in the government schools, uh, not to mention the sex perversions that are going on. Uh, other than that, uh, it's not so bad there, Dr. Bradley. <laughs> well, you know, how far does the slippery slope go? I mean, uh, I've just been informed I've been deplatformed from um, YouTube um, because I, I spoke last night uh, and posted a video in regards to... Uh, question that came up about the uh, incentives that some states were giving to obtain the jab and uh, I mean so so here second I mean first amendment second amendment I, everything but the third amendment seems to be on the table right now being pulled out from underneath us and so what we have is is a, a free speech issue I thought what I said was rather innocuous and factual and all that kind of stuff but because maybe, maybe just because I called it a jab instead of a, uh, a vaccine, who knows? Um, but the fact of the matter is everything. Uh, oh, by the way, another question that came up in my question and answer session last night was uh, in regards to critical race theory being taught in U.S. Military Academy at West Point. And um, that, that is this divisive Marxist approach to things. Everything, I mean... <laughs> It is astounding to me the implosion that is occurring in this nation in this day. I mean, and, and we have fallen. We're, we're more than free fall. I mean, I don't know uh, how you can accelerate beyond that unless you put jet engines on it and run it into the ground. That's where we're going right now. And, um, and so uh, America really is a different place than where I grew up.
I mean, it's, you know, you think back when I was a kid, you know, uh, Leave It to Beaver, Father Knows Best, uh, Ozzie and Harriet. I mean, you know, <laughs> all of those innocuous uh, kind of stable family relationships and those kinds of things. It's all on the rocks and on the ropes. And uh, and it's, we're kind of like that proverbial frog in, in that most people that grew up in a generation after me probably thinks this is normal. I don't know. I, I don't know. We have to ha- we'll have to ask one someday. So it's a strange time we live in. Wow. Very strange indeed, ladies and gentlemen. And this is something that we really need to understand. Um, you've mentioned this on the broadcast quite often, and I want to mention this right now as well. You know, when you have one act of something that, that doesn't make sense, you can chalk it up to coincidence, circumstance, whatever. Um, I know yeah. people say there are no coincidences, but I'm just saying you can chalk it up to, to not intentional. When you see a train of, of abuse and usurpations and, and, and violations, um, starting from this case of jettisoning prayer and God in schools all the way down to the president, present day, you begin to see this pattern that is undeniable. Their goal is to jettison God from schools, from society, and eventually from your home. That is their agenda. And you jettison the prayers in schools in 1962, and in modern day you say you can't even worship at your church, right? Well, well, that's that's right. I mean, you know, they this this idea of the peaceable assembly kind of thing. Um, in fact, to just give you another example of of this of how the First Amendment's on the ropes, and then I'll give you the exact quote if you're interested about that single acts of tyranny you referred to that I often refer to. Um, we were planning a, a public event, free of charge, commemoration uh, of the independence of the United States. You know the. Well, it was a spiritual kind of thing, and there was a, a public uh, event location available that uh, that used to be used for these kinds of things. Anyway, uh, we contacted the uh, organization. It was a municipality that uh, that controlled it, and and they wanted us to obtain a mass meeting permit from the uh, health department. It cost $225 and an application process uh, that would be used to, uh, you know, go through the hoops to say we can get together and peaceably assemble to commemorate the birth of this nation. I mean, this is uh, and this, this is a little farm community. You would have thought, okay, these guys are probably not so scared to death that they're going to they're gonna put up a roadblock on this thing. But no, they wanted the health department to intervene. And uh, that's how they prevented us from doing it. So the 4th of July weekend uh, is not going to at least have something, you know, big offering to the community that, that, uh, you know, we've historically done a lot of those things. But uh, the health department, now, unconstitutionally, without passing a law, uh, certainly not a constitutional, it was an edict. The wave of the magic wand, a... a, um, a monarchical decree, you know, the king's word is the law kind of thing. And suddenly, uh, we can't even gather to commemorate the birth of the nation in accordance to the way that was indicated it ought to be done by John Adams. That was going to be the basis of our of our gathering. And it was a spiritual kind of thing, the, the recognition of what a blessing it was in our lives. Strange things. Every moment, every time we turn around, there's another impediment. So what's yeah, it's always to? it's always on this fear doctrine where you've got to trade oh, yeah. your liberty for security. 
uh, by golly, we live in perilous times, Doctor. This edict is really important, and we got to do it. And you know, we'll talk about the Constitution after the crisis is over, okay? But what they're jettisoning is is the reality that you know what the crisis of the day is exactly what the Constitution was written for: the separation of powers, the chaining down of bureaucrats and out of control tyrannical thugs. Uh, was d- designed by the Constitution to say we're going to chain you down. We can stop you. We can. And it's broken in America today, and it's broken because of the immorality of the people, number one. And number two, most people don't even know their rights, and how do you protect them if you don't know them? How do you insist on them if you don't know them? When we continue to elect tyrants, we get what we get. People say, well, Sam, the election's a fraud. We can't even rely on that. Uh, you know, Well, if you went to every single precinct in America and demanded accountability and demanded uh, or lawsuit, responsibility on this thing we could change the game but everybody just wants to trust congress to solve it and then they create a capital riot to ignore it and then they jettison their responsibility to dig into it and then we go golly we lost that one oh well oh we lost obamacare too oh well and we just march on where republicans are 20 years behind the democrats is all they are but the people aren't engaged enough to stand up and stop it and the check and balance of we the people the founders said you have a republic if you can keep it we're not keeping it because we don't understand what we're even trying to keep. Dr. You know, Bradley, it's so the 4th of July, that's a poignant point. It, it is indeed. And, and you know, you talk about that fear factor. Um, you know, the, you mentioned uh, Franklin's statement, you know, that uh, they who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety re- deserve neither liberty nor safety. And, you know, he said this well over 200 years ago. And, and here we are today. Uh, you know, there's there's kind of a pattern that we're seeing, and, and that's I think goes with the uh, with the COVID panic. You know, you, you you deal on people's fear, then you try and flatter them along to go along with it. Then you offer them bribes, and then comes the force. Okay, so so th- we're in a we're in the cycle that we're finishing up the bribes portion. I think that the with the, with the jab, you, what you've got is is about as many people want the jab as are going to get it. And they've they've done all sorts of you know drawings and prizes and all that kind of stuff, and then comes the worry about the force. And by the way, the Florida law that was passed here just the other day allows by any means force to be put in there. That doesn't allow mandated passports in Florida. It allows force to get you vaccinated. But but so here we go. Now this is this, it, is this is interesting because Ron signed this right. Everybody's you know he did Ron indeed. DeSantis, but he signed this. He did, indeed, and it allows by any means necessary to compel you to receive it. That's part of the wording of it. Now, now you know, you say, again, you, you brought up this, this single acts of tyranny thing, you know, that Jefferson said, single acts of tyranny may be ascribed to an accidental opinion of the day, but a series of oppression begin at a distinguished period and pursued unalterably through every change of ministers to plainly prove a deliberate, systematical plan of reducing us to slavery. So all of these little screw-ups that happened now, oh, by golly, how'd that get past me? Good grief. That's like back in 1967. Now we've got to take another break. But, but this is astounding to me how often this happens by people that we claim are good and noble people that just, oh, they goofed up. Oh. Uh, I can't accept it, ladies and gentlemen, because the train of usurpations continues. It becomes, beyond a conspiracy theory, it's a conspiracy reality against your liberty. Beware. Be absolutely vigilant. Quick pause. We're moving to another subject in seconds. Pursuing liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. 
You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. A massive rescue effort continues Friday morning in Surfside, Florida, just north of Miami. A partial building collapse Thursday has resulted with 99 people still being unaccounted for. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Fox News. And when people are unaccounted for, sometimes that's the hardest thing because they just don't know. And they're obviously bracing for the worst, but they're still hoping for the best. And the search and rescue does go on. Miami-Dade officials said structural engineer teams of 10 to 12 were carrying out operations underneath the rubble in an effort to shore up the precarious weight load. Three bipartisan lawmakers leading negotiations on a comprehensive police reform package have reached a preliminary bipartisan agreement Thursday. Senators Tim Scott, Cory Booker, and Representative Karen Bass. GOP lawmakers have argued that qualified immunity is necessary for cops, something Democrats won't back, saying accountability among law enforcement officers is paramount. USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allen Root Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. Vice President Kamala Harris, after nearly 100 days as President Biden's pick to resolve the border crisis, will finally visit the border firsthand. Tim Berg from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau reports. Vice President Harris is set to visit El Paso, Texas on Friday so she can get a look at the illegal immigrant surge at the border. Texas Democrat Congressman Henry Cuellar tells Fox News he's happy that the vice president is taking action and going down to the border. Glad that she's going down to the border because uh, that is part of her job uh, portfolio, number one. And number two, um, yes, uh, the epicenter is down there in the lower Rio Grande, the lower uh, part of my uh, district down there. Republicans argue that the vice president should have visited the border a long time ago. New York State Attorney General Letita James is not offering a timeline into sexual harassment allegations made against fellow Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo. She says it concludes when it concludes. End quote. USA Radio News. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, a law signed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will allow for forced vaccinations. DeSantis promised that he would not force COVID-19 vaccinations. He lied, Dr. Bradley. Well, that's that's the whole mess with this thing. I mean, you got this hero guy that everybody's holding up as an icon on this. And and it's it's like I started to bring up before in 1967. You know, so what was that 54 years ago? 
Ronald Reagan, as governor of, of California, signed a Therapeutic Abortion Act. The year before, there had been 518 legal abortions in California. The rest of his term every year was 100,000 legal abortions in California during his term. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, man, dang it, I messed up. And he supposedly had great repentance over it and everything like that. But why do you do things like that? I mean, it opened the floodgates, and he claims, well, they misinterpreted it. But but, but this, this this new law that was just signed in Florida that allows that kind of thing to happen, well, how what? You know, it leaves you speechless. You can't hardly chew your tongue. You're saying, well, how did that get in there, you know? And and it's surprise, surprise, look what this did. And it's like what Utah did a year ago in our spring. They made worse everything that the governor had by a wave of a magic wand and judicial and, and executive and every kind of decree you could come up with, a monarchical rule kind of thing. Uh, the legislature made it worse. And they had started it a few years before by granting unconstitutional emergency powers, which violated the Utah Constitution because it allowed the governor to legislate without going through the constitutional process. All of these things come, well, like I say, they're either ignorant, they're deceived, or they're deceivers. And I'm becoming more and more confident that people can't be that stupid. They're probably deceivers in the to the core. And and that means replacements in order. You you can't fix that corruptibility that's already there. I don't think you gotta you gotta come in and fix these. Look at look at um, Donald Trump with his uh, red flag laws. Oh no no no! He says I know we'll we'll fix the due process things after we've seized the firearms. What? That isn't how the American system works. We're we're getting pre yeah, and the cognitive. Only, the only reason I can think these politicians do this when they sound so, you know, educated and ready to defend liberty, is that they are compromised in some way, uh, and so as a result, then they can be blackmailed into saying, you know, or doing uh, whatever the case m- may be. So is Ron DeSantis blackmailed? I don't know. All I know I is the law either. signed by Florida Governor. Ron DeSantis is absolutely insane. He says no mandated passports, but yet you can mandate a vaccine. You can force a vaccine. He promised he wouldn't do it, and he lied. Uh, Anyway, enough of that. I want to move to another subject before the end of the hour that I want Dr. Scott Bradley to speak about. Headline says this. Capitol Police. Cop is horrified. At lack of help from bosses, Senate report outlines security and intelligence failures during the January 6th riot. So there's a cop that's anonymous that's speaking out based on this report. The warnings were there at least two weeks in advance, but they never made it to the officers on the ground in the January 6th riot. That's one of the takeaways, they say from a bipartisan Senate investigation, or bipartisan, I'm sorry, bipartisan Senate investigation of the intelligence and security failures surrounding the riots. The report conducted by the Unconstitutional Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee and the Rules Committee catalogs the missteps and suggests some fixes, they claim. Some highlights of that report. The attack was, quite frankly, planned in plain sight. Democratic Senator Gary Peters 
head of the Homeland Security panel told reporters there was significant widespread and unacceptable breakdowns in the intelligence gathering on this topic, he continued, per the Washington Post. The failure to adequately assess the threat of violence on that day contributed significantly to the breach of the Capitol, they claim. In late December 2020, intelligence officers with the Capitol Police picked up messages from pro-Trump supporters, they claim, saying things like, surround every building with a tunnel entrance exit. They better dig a tunnel all the way to China if they want to escape. That was all briefed by Politico. Another wrote, quote, bring guns. It's now or never. Now they say the FBI and Homeland Security similarly picked up such threats, they claim. But no one agency seemed to coordinate. So on January 3rd, the Capitol Police Intelligence Assessment warned of the possibility of violence, but it was not repeated in subsequent reports. The FBI warned the Capitol Police of potential war the night before the rally. So you've got two warnings within a couple of days right before the rally. In what the Post describes as a casually worded email. But that didn't translate into proper precautions is the problem. One remedy suggested by the report is to make it easier for the head of the Capitol Police to summon the National Guard quickly. That's what the Wall Street Journal's reporting. Another is to house the different intelligence gathering units of the Capitol Police in a single centralized location. The AP notes this account from an anonymous Capitol Police officer. I was horrified that no deputy chief or above was on the radio or helping us. Listen carefully. For hours, the screams on the radio, but no answer by anybody in any high-level position to take control of the situation. The sights were unimaginable, and there was a complete loss of control. For hours, no chief or above took command at all. Officers were begging and pleading for help for the triage. This report does not dig into the causes of the riot, only the related security failures. It comes after a few weeks after Senate Republicans blocked the bipartisan commission they claimed to look into this thing. All right, now, sorry to be so long-winded, but I want to get the whole story out, Dr. Bradley. Um, And the reason that I want to highlight this is because I'm convinced if one intelligence failure, and this is we go back to this point that I was making, if one intelligence failure, I get it, may be true. But when you have report after report after report after report, and none of those reports make it to the top, And then on the day of the event, nobody at a higher level to coordinate and to take control of the situation while these police officers, look, the police officers were left hung out to dry. And the people were betrayed. And the intelligence, you could say, well, if one report didn't make it, I get it. But every single report all the way from December through January, multiple reports a couple of days in advance, openly planned uh, these insurrections by certain individuals I believe it was all by design and then blamed on everybody to cast a wide net. They've they've caught the first person now. They busted her. No jail time, just a misdemeanor. She didn't commit any violence, but she walked around. She caught the plea deal. 
And they say the first person now is busted six months later. But this is a train of usurpations. How do you miss all these intelligence errors and then nobody's at the top to even help? There's no coordinating person on the radio for hours? This is not an accident, Dr. Bradley. You know, there are so similar, so many similarities to these kinds of, uh, these things that precipitated uh, an outcome that, seems in many instances to have been pre-planned. I mean, whether you look at the Pearl Harbor attack uh, and, and how that was carried out and, and the criminal, ne- not just negligence, but participation of people like Marshall and FDR and that thing. You look at the, the Gulf of Tonkin incident that uh, really wasn't uh, in 1964 that it ended up being in the, uh, the, the cause, well, the hinge point, if you will, that uh, allowed Vietnam to crumble as it did. You you look at the the uh, uh, Oak City bombing. You look at the stuff that happened on on uh, 9/11. I mean, it's it's it, the idea of provocateurs never seems to come into people's minds. That, that there were insiders that were inciting things. You look at what happened back in the uh, the uh, route riots a year ago. That uh, it would seem, and I think there's pretty strong evidence that there was pretty high-level support of that happening. You know, the dropping off of bricks on street corners to be able to make sure they had something to toss at everybody. Uh, it's it's just astonishing to me, and and I go back to what I think is probably a, a model that they're using today. In in uh, 1848, Marx and Engels had a, a charge to get the uh, Communist Manifesto ready. I guess we'll come back to that after the break and show how they always the one use and only, these ladies and gentlemen, Liberty Roundtable Live. I'm Sam Bushman, Scott Bradley, the doctor in the house. FreedomsRisingSun.com is website, weekly webinars on the Constitution, Q&As, and more, as well as his collegiate series, To Preserve the Nation. FreedomsRisingSun.com. Liberty Roundtable Live continues in mere seconds. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. 
The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Dr. Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. You're mentioning the communism uh, focus there, Dr. Bradley. The Communist Manifesto, right? What happened in 1848 was that Marx and Engels had been given a charge uh, by their handlers that they needed to have uh, ready for print. They wanted by the end of January. I think they ended up handing it over the end of February or in February at least. 1848, they needed to have it ready to go to print. Well, why was that? Well, because professional revolutionaries, provocateurs, had been work all across Europe, and they were intending to uh, launch uh, what would appear to be spontaneous, you know, uh, outbreaks of rioting and and dis, you know civil disobedience and all that kind of stuff that that was supposed to look like it was precipitated by the fact that everybody was so excited. Look, look. Someone has captured our hearts and minds with this, you know, with this document. And, and, oh, my goodness, it's time. It's time for us to bring about these things. And so there, there were plans for these that had been pre-planned years in advance. The provocateurs had been putting together these things. They were all scheduled to launch in the spring of, of uh, 1848. And by golly, they needed to have... This, this document out there that they could point to and say, look, look, this was pent-up demand. These people really, All really wanted it. All right, we'll try to get it. Dr. There you go. Good. Keep going, Dr. Bradley. Okay, well, that, you know, the, these people, the, the, the story was these people really wanted this. I mean, this was, oh, my goodness, we didn't know there was that much demand out there. So that's what's happening. These provocateurs, they go set things up, and they get it ready, and then they have a, a trigger point, basically, that allows it to, to come forward. And, uh, and, and they blame it on that. And, and I really, truly believe that these uh, so-called riots and insurrections and everything else, they've turned it into World War III in, in uh, Washington, D.C. In, in January 6th. That was all established well in advance, and, and some of this stuff that you were reading before we, we took a break, really and truly, uh, to me, um, they're, they're overlooking a big portion of it. I mean, it's kind of like the Ken Starr um, uh, charges against Bill Clinton, you know, the, his impeachment charges. He threw the case because the really important stuff was left out. They focused on sex with an intern, when the big mag orders of magnitude, more important stuff were overlooked, and and they're not looking at those things, I don't believe right now, in in the way we're um, we're handling these things, and they're it's like the magician. You if if he's waving his right hand in the air, look at his left hand. I mean, and that's kind of Amen what I think that. the problem is. 
And speaking, looking at the left hand, so it's one thing to report on the Capitol Police report saying, hey, there were huge uh, intelligence gathering and reporting failures. I believe it was on purpose. You have one failure, maybe two. I get it. But when you get a bunch of reports, every one of them squashed, and then when it comes live, real day time, uh, then there's nobody uh, above to take any responsibility or action. Uh, and then they're like, oh, golly, we just missed it. You know, we've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars. We've been training for this our whole lives. It's our whole purpose for existence. And golly, you know, Larry Gomer Pyle didn't, didn't let Ralph know. And geez, Louise, we got confused. You know, okay, it isn't true. It's a lie. And you better uh, wake up and realize that as such. And here's what's happening. Speaking of the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing uh, for the people. But yet they're coordinated as all get out. And here's the proof. Now Pelosi is talking about the root causes of January 6th. And uh, Nancy Pelosi is announcing, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is announcing a probe of the, quote, capital insurrection. Art Moore, WND with the piece. But here's the soundbite from Nancy Pelosi, and then we'll talk about it. All right, well, Cameron cues that up. Yep. Soundbite from Nancy Pelosi. There are two actual uh, paths. One is about the root causes of it, the white supremacy, the anti-Semitism, the Islamophobia, all the rest of it that was so evident when you see a sweatshirt on one of the people saying Camp Auschwitz. The other is the security of the capital and what it what it means to be ready for such an insurrection while i think we could have been better prepared i don't think anybody would have foreseen an insurrection incited by the president of the united states so the timetable will be as long as it takes we were agreeable to doing it in a time frame that the republicans felt comfortable with but now another month has gone by, and another month has gone by. So we'll just have to make a, a, the plan and see how long that takes. Ladies and gentlemen, catastrophic intelligence failures. Six months later, they literally charged the first person. What she did was she went to the Capitol, she peacefully entered it, she walked around, and she left. And now they have her cop a plea saying, if I didn't do that, maybe others wouldn't have been so violent. I mean, it's insane where we are but nancy pelosi blatantly saying the president of the united states committed insurrection and i want to know why there's not charges filed against the president they impeached him the problem is we find all the impeachment information they used was fraudulent and a lie that's already been exposed to a great degree but now pelosi says the root causes of the january 6th event is white supremacy anti-semitism and islamophobia and uh, so now they're going to probe the Capitol, but this is what she's blatantly saying, literally without evidence, six months later. Why does that matter? Because they're ratcheting this dragnet up to the next level, Dr. Bradley. Well, see, th that thing they did, the, the posthumous uh, impeachment, <laughs> where they tried to blame, you know, the World War III on, on the president as he went out the back door. And and they they fell flat on their face. It was nothing, and so they they got to stir the pot again. And 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 it's interesting to me that uh, again the Reichstag fire of 1933 comes to my mind, where 
uh, oh, let's bring let's blame the communists. Okay, so here we have the Nazis running things, and and they're going to blame the communists to make it look like oh we got a rally against these guys. Well, what's happening in Washington D.C. with Pelosi? I I don't you call her what kind of uh, category you, you wish, but she certainly is not standing for liberty and proper government and, and traditional American uh, you know values and all those kind of things. But that party in power is now pointing the finger to the the ones that they want to target, just like the Nazis did against the communists in 1933 to rally the people to ultimately put together World War III, and I mean World War II, excuse me. But the fact of the matter is that's just what she's doing. It's She's, she's identifying um, the, the criminals without any evidence, of course, but she's, she's decided this is how we've got to point it to make it have the outcome we want. And, and of course, they'll be the good guys, just like the Nazis were the good guys in 1933 when the Reichstag fire happened and those blasted communists that had burned down our parliament. Oh, my gracious, how terrible is this? All of this stuff is, is theater. It's all theater. I mean, I don't it's care theater, if you're talking But it has real it repercussions for you and me because here's where I believe that it's headed. They're going to tie this now. Senator Rand Paul speaking out about this as well. Give him a little bit of credit. Biden's gun control crown jewel. The United Nations Small Arms Treaty has been the gun control lobby's crown jewel for decades. And they've been waiting for an anti-gun president like Joe Biden to go ahead and push it through the Senate. They want an all-out effort to push this thing from the, through the U.S. Senate. I believe that's what they're pushing here for, because what they'll say is, hey, the Capitol Police made a couple of mistakes. Sure, they weren't really ready for this, but the insurrectionists now, you know what? We've got insurrectionists around the world. There's domestic terrorism. There's foreign terrorists. and You know what? We have got to pass this small arms treaty. I believe they're going to, pardon the pun, gun for this and tie the two together, uh, Dr. Bradley. Well, first of all, ignorance will allow them to have power. First and foremost, over the top, in every single way, we need to understand that no treaty, no treaty, can subvert and destroy any portion of the Constitution. The Second Amendment is not in danger with this small arms treaty. There'll be a lot of people raising funds and everything, send me 20 bucks and I'll help this not happen and all that kind of stuff. But the facts of the matter is that the treaty cannot destroy the Constitution. Now, if we don't understand that and we live like it did, then we're in trouble. But ignorance is cause of the destruction of much of America. So that small arms treaty, first of all, will not destroy the Second Amendment. Second of all, it will not make it through the Senate. The Senate needs two-thirds of the Senate to go along with this. There will not be 30, um, excuse me, 67 senators that go along with this. And so that is not going to happen. I think what's, there may very well be a run at this, and because of the ignorance of the people. Now, I think back in, in uh, the 1968 Gun Control Act, see, having a historical perspective sometimes helps us weave things together. Lyndon Johnson used six cowboy movie stars to have him get the 1968 Gun Control Act through by having these people that were trusted, even though they were just silver screen actors, to help this get through. They went on the talk show programs and everything and did this thing. So yes, they're probably using this program that way. But the facts of the matter is 
Number one, a, a treaty like that cannot destroy the Constitution. Number two, getting 67 votes in the Senate, even if it could destroy it, probably, likely, will not happen. But but we as Americans are so gullible, we start acting like cowardly zeks. In Russia, the, the political prisoners that they put in the gulags were called zeks. We're all zeks. That's where we are. Is what we're acting like, and and we need I to agree. grow now, a if backbone. They, if they jettison, if they jettison the two thirds majority, and they say fifty senators, they might get it. They also no, no, might no, no, no. You can't. It. You can't I because you're not supposed to be able you, to. No, no, no. Article two says you got to have two thirds to to ratify a, a uh, an amendment, uh, not an amendment, a uh, a treaty, uh, a treaty, a treaty. There must be right. two thirds. But all they got to do is call it something slightly different than a treaty and play games with the words, and then all they got to do is you know maybe have the president start to enact it and never properly ratify it. I mean, there's all kinds of ways they've done this. The point is, we need to be aware of this, ladies and gentlemen, and they're really casting a dragnet for us all. Anybody well, the, who stands the, against their agenda now is in the dragnet. The president, I believe, is going to lose the House and the Senate because of these egregious violations. The things that they're doing, they're trying to grab, make hay while the sun shines, so to speak. But I believe in the 2022 elections, there will be so much blowback on them. If you go after the guns, if you go, uh, you, you just mess up the immigration thing, if you do everything like the climate treaties, the, the issues of uh, wide-sweeping socialistic ro pro uh, programs, I believe you're going to find that uh, the blowback in 2022 is going to be amazing. Their overreach is extraordinary. I pray you're correct on the point because, boy, howdy, do we need God, family, and country to stand tall. We need the people to really get engaged and make a difference, and we need to do it now, or real fundamental freedom will be lost, more so than ever before, in my humble opinion. Right now, as you wisely point out, we are at a crossroads. We're kind of at a direction to say, hey, are we going to stand up with the supreme law of the land, or are we going to cave and buckle to tyrannical abuses uh, of power? Incredibly, uh, incredible overreach. The debate's on the table. I pray we do what's right. That's all I can say. For Dr. Scott Bradley, his website, freedomsrisingsun.com. Check out his collegiate series there, his weekly webinars, and a whole lot more. That's Freedoms. RisingSun.com. I'm Sam Bushman, LovingLiberty.net, LibertyRoundTable.com. God save the republic.